0: Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com. Or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the OC Movement. All right, good morning, everybody! You guys are awesome. Thank you for that warm welcome. Hey, I just want to say welcome. My name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, was the handsome pastor up here just a little bit earlier with you. For those of you who are here with us for the first time, we're so honored that you're here. And I have the privilege of diving in today into part two of the series that we just launched last week. And I just want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, you're going to want to go and listen to the podcast because Pastor Kerry did an incredible job just explaining what it looks like as a church for us to go all in. And as we were talking about this series and, and titling the series All In, we kind of did this as a little bit of a play on uh, a game that I don't play. And I'm not sure I really fully know how to play, but I've, I've learned a few tips here and there. And, and to go all in in a poker game, it means that you've got your chips on the table, right? And when you're gonna go all in, it's because you're holding in your hand some cards that you believe are worth risking everything, right? you believe that the payoff of the cards that are in your hand is going to be so great that it is worth going all in, right? And so this this is what I understand anyway about poker. I don't actually play the game. But but if you're holding these cards on your hand and you're taking the risk to push the chips to the middle of the table and to say, I'm going all in, it's because you believe in what's in your hand. And I just want to encourage you that to go all in in the church is the best thing that you could ever do, the best risk that you could ever take to go all in in the church. And you know why? Because the church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. You know, Jesus, he came to seek and to save the lost and to establish the church. There's something amazing about the church. And do you know that there is nothing that we can do, that is in more collaboration with Jesus than loving and building the church. You know, in the Bible, the church is often referred to as the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. And I love how Ephesians 5.25 depicts this for us. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen, this is this picture This picture of marriage and a husband who loves his wife so much that he's supposed to give it all up for her. But the the whole reason we understand that is because the Bible paints this picture of Jesus. He loved the church so much that he gave everything up for her. And when we think about Jesus and when we think about the church, we should be thinking about the bride of Christ. You know, when I first got married to Pastor Kerry, This was almost 17 years ago, and we were like so young. And so Carrie has had a best friend since he was four years old. His name is Chris Upton and he's somewhere in this room. And so Chris Upton had been Carrie's friend since he was four years old. And I will never forget that in the first couple months of us being married, Chris said to Carrie, dude, Megan's cool and all, but you were a lot more fun before you were married. And I'm pretty sure Carrie like punched him in the arm and was like, dude, that's my wife. And he defended me in that moment because he was like, no, that's my wife. She's everything. We are one now, right? And that's the same way that Jesus thinks about the church is it's the bride of Christ. We are one now. And so I love the church. I love the church because Jesus loves the church. And when we talk about going all in, we're not talking about getting you to do more. We're talking about getting you to be more. There's something about being a part of the church that unlocks purpose and potential in our lives. And so I just want to take a moment right now and pray and invite God to do what he wants to do in this service today. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now. And in this moment, we open our heart to you. We open our life to you. God, we want to hear what you have to say today. God, we want to grow. God, we want to expand our lives. Lord Jesus, so I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us in this service today and challenge us to be everything you've created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, to go all in. Thanks, guys. Y'all are awesome. They don't like me giving attention to them. But don't we have an awesome band? Yeah? I think so. When I talk about loving the church, I really love the church. I love everything about it. And so sometimes you got to give credit where credit is due. I'm so grateful for our incredible worship team. But when we talk about going all in at the Movement Church during this series, we're going to talk about four things. Because going all in at the Movement Church looks like four things. It looks like we're going to invite, attend, serve, and give. We're going to invite, attend, serve, and give, and we're talking about that in this series. Last week, Pastor Kerry painted such a beautiful picture of going all in, and and talked about why we need to extend the invitation to people in our world to come and see what is happening here. And today, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to attend. And for some of us, we think, well, that's simple. I mean, you show up, right? But it's so much more than just that. And I can't possibly go into a service and just talk about attending. Because I could go, like Pastor Kerry said, to In-N-Out every single day, and it won't make me a hamburger, will it? So I could go to church every single week, and it doesn't actually make me a Christian, right? (laughs) Right? So when I go all in, what that looks like is it means I am giving Jesus permission to sit in the driver's seat of my life. And I love the picture that was painted for us last week of what that looks like, because so often we're tempted to uh, utilize Jesus like we would an Uber driver. Pastor Kerry talked about this and I thought that was so good. What a great illustration because it's easy for us when when things are going tough or when we need a little bit of help in something to to call up Jesus and say help me out like we call up an Uber driver to take us to the location we need to get to and and they take us there and and then we'll let them drop us off and I like how he said and maybe we'll tip him if they did a good job. It's real and then We let him go and maybe we call him again another time, but the going all in is this permission to give Jesus access to the driver's seat of our life. And part of giving him access to the driver's seat of our life means that I find he actually has a plan for my life that is intricately connected to the church. You see, I have these friends, and I can't remember exactly where I was at, but I think I was at a party recently, and it might have been a birthday party for somebody's child, I don't know, but there was was a handful of parents there from my kid's school, and some of them I'm friends with, and I think there might have even been a couple of my neighbors who were present, and just some people that I know from the community, and we were standing, and we were talking and having this conversation, and the question got asked, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And that's either a conversation starter or a conversation ender, let me tell you. And this day, it just happened to be a conversation starter. And, and we started talking about the church. And all of a sudden, one of my, my friends piped up and said, well, I go to their church, and it's awesome. And I turned, and I looked at them. And I think I couldn't help myself, because sometimes I don't know how to keep my mouth closed. And I said, you do? <laughs> and they said, well, sure, I go to your church. And I was like, okay. I'm thinking, I know a lot of the people in my church, and and you've come a couple times, but I didn't think you came to my church, but awesome. This is great, right? And so I was just a little bit surprised by their response, and I found that when I meet people in the community and, and I'm inviting them to church, I'll extend an invitation, and sometimes the response I get, in fact, quite often is, well, I don't actually go to church. The ocean is my church, and I'm like, well, that's awesome. I think you might be confused about the idea of church, but the, I love the ocean too, so it's awesome. And, and then sometimes I'll get the response of, well, I, I don't actually go to church because I have my own personal relationship with Jesus and, and I don't need to go to church. And I thought, if you actually do have a personal relationship with Jesus, won't you love the church? I love the church because Jesus loves the church. He gave everything up for her, everything. You know, in doing some research to prepare for this message, I was looking at the Pew, Gallup, and Barna research, and they did a study to look at church attendance. So when we're talking about church attendance, they they just pulled an entire group of people to find out what's the percentage of Americans that say that they regularly attend church. And in that poll, they found out that 43% of Americans would say that they attend church. And so they took that poll just a little bit further and dug in to find out in our churches on a weekly basis, what is the weekly attendance of people who say, I'm a Christian? And 20% of the population attend on a weekly basis, which means that every Sunday, 80% of our church is missing, is missing. And I was blown away by this statistic because there's something so wonderful about the church. And I'm here today to talk about attending, but see, church is so much more than just attending. It's about belonging. But you can't belong without the attend. They go hand in hand. You see, inside of us, there's this innate desire to belong. But so many of us don't know where to begin. You know, we search for it, don't we? We search for it in all different places of where we're going to fit in and where we can belong. We busy ourselves and pretend that we don't actually need it. Sometimes we live under the illusion of being connected, but not actually connecting. And I think our world is so oversaturated in surface connections, but we're deeply disconnected. You know, we've learned, and, and you can understand this, in a world that is saturated by social media, we've learned to prefer surface connections. We've learned to prefer them and to keep people at an arm's length. You see, I get to control what you see and what you perceive. <coughs> I control your access to my life. I connect to the point of my comfortability. You see, I can belong to a lot of things. In fact, I belong to the CRA middle school parents Facebook page. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I belong to it. And I, I occasionally do hop onto Facebook. And I occasionally get involved in the conversations that are on the CRA Middle School Parents Facebook page. But I get to decide how much interaction I'm actually going to have there. And lately, there's been kind of a hot sports opinion topic that's just been brought up. And all of the different parents are weighing in. And, and I thought about, well, should I give my opinion? Eh, I don't really know if I want to jump into that conversation. And, and I've clicked on somebody's profile to try to figure out who they were. And I couldn't even see who they were. And, and I realized, you know, I belong to this group. But I'm not really connected here. See, most of us have this arm's-length mentality in our relationships with this attitude of don't tell me what to do and don't tell me what to change. I'll determine what feels right for me. And you know, we've adopted this mentality in so many areas of our life, including the church. We look for anonymity while our soul longs to be known. Our soul longs to belong to something bigger. You know, it's so easy to want to come into an environment and just slip in and slip out because if people really knew me, if they really knew what was going on in my life, our fear, our insecurity tells us they wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't receive me, or or maybe it's I don't want them to tell me what to do. And we keep relationships at an arm's length. And so often we do this in the church, and we look for a church where I can just slip in and slip out, and nobody notices me. But that's not what Jesus created the church to be. It's not what he created the church to be. And the danger of this connection, without authentically connecting, it lends to lives that never go past the surface, right? Right? It triggers insecurity and inferiority, comparison, competition, judgment. It contributes to a shallow belief system which says, well, I'll take the part I want, but the stuff that I don't like, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. And we miss out on relationships. We feel a void of fulfillment because we never go deep enough to actually be challenged in our purpose. You see, God's plan for Christ followers, that's us. If you're in the room today and you call yourself a Christ follower, this is God's plan for you. If you're here today and you're not sure what you believe, if you're still wrestling with your faith, that's okay. Permission to belong before you believe. You can just sit back and relax today and enjoy the message. But if you're here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, this message is for you. God's plan for Christ's followers was never that we live lives of isolation and factitious connection. But his plan was that we be adopted into and find relationship in his family, which is the church. It's the church. You know, are there anybody, any people in this room that actually love to work out? Raise your hand. A couple of you awesome souls. You guys are amazing. And um, here's the thing, I don't. I know it's necessary. I really do, And, and have any of you, please, I hope that I am not the only one gonna raise my hand on this, but I will if it's just me. Have any of you ever gotten a membership to a gym? And maybe on the initial part of the membership, you showed up multiple times a week, and maybe you stood strong for a whole month, and then it kind of slowly started to dwindle off, and you were like there once a week, and then maybe once a month, and then you had this membership, and you realized you weren't even using it at all. Is there anybody in the room who has done that before? Thank you. (laughs) I'm not alone. You see, I had a membership to 24-Hour Fitness, and I had this membership because I knew that I needed to work out and get physically fit. But the problem was I would walk into this giant gym and nobody knew who I was. And I would walk in and I would kind of slide my card and it would approve for me to go in. And I'd walk into this huge room full of all of these different machines that I had no clue how to use. And I would go in and I'd get on the treadmill because most people know how to work a treadmill. And I would use the treadmill for 30 minutes and then I'd walk around to all the weights. (laughs) and I would look at them and I'd read the instructions and if I felt like they were simple enough, I might try to use it a little bit. But I didn't really know what I was doing. And slowly but surely, I just kind of trickled off in my attendance to the gym. I knew it was important, but I wasn't really connected there. And I really had no idea what was happening. And I finally just recently got my act together and realized I have got to be consistent with this working out thing, even if I don't like it. And I joined a gym called Orange Theory. Anybody ever heard of Orange Theory? Okay, this is not an ad promotion here, but I'm just going to tell you my experience. I joined this gym called Orange Theory. And from the first day that I walked into the gym, the manager memorized my name. And every day that I've walked into the gym since then, he says, hi, Megan. How's it doing? How's it doing? How's it going? how are you doing? And and he memorized my name and he, he would ask me questions about what I wanted to accomplish. And so every time I see this manager at the gym, he's checking in on me. How are your goals coming? Are you working hard? Are you staying consistent? I'm like, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. You know, I'm all nervous about it. And then I go into this classroom environment where there's treadmills, rowers, and the floor. And I I don't get to figure out what I'm going to do. They tell me what I'm going to do. And I get on a treadmill, and I didn't think I was a runner. In fact, I told them I'm not a runner. And they were like, yes, you are. You're going to be a runner. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so... Like, I'm going to be a runner. And so I get onto the treadmill, and they start you out at base pace. And I'm like, okay, I might be able to do this. It's like this slow jog. And then there's a coach in the room, and the coach constantly tells you what you're going to do. You're going from base pace to push pace to base pace to push pace to all out. And they want you to, like, sprint on the treadmill. And the thing about this is I don't have to know what I'm doing. Someone is helping me discover it. And over the past six months, I've actually become a jogger. I'm like, this is, this is really good, you guys. And so I'm learning how to jog, and I've been learning how to use the weights properly. And I've been learning how to work out and build my endurance. And you know what? On the days where I don't feel like running, there are people on either side of me that are like, come on, you can do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's, sometimes it's so frustrating. There's this one woman who is always excited. And she, I'm serious. Every time she's in there, she's excited. It can be 6.15 in the morning and she's happy about it. And I'm on the treadmill like, I got to do this. And she's like, "Woo, woo." First, I was like, please stop yelling. (laughs) But now I'm like, this is exciting. We're doing something. We're accomplishing something here. You see, I've learned how to do the workouts, and I'm getting stronger. And this is what church is meant to be like. This is what church is meant to be like. I cannot work out alone. When I work out alone, there's no challenge, and there's no accountability. There's no one to help me if I fall down. And there's no one to say, don't stop running. You can do it. Don't give up. This is what church is meant to be. We're meant to belong. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, church is a conglomeration, a giant group of people who God has brought together. And he says, you are now family. You belong. And the thing about family that I think is worth considering is that family gets in your business whether you like it or not, don't they? They do. And family, you've got some people in your family whom you talk to every single day. And you've got some people in your family who are maybe a little bit weird. And you just see them at holiday gatherings, but they're still family. They see you at your best, and they see you at your worst they know what your hair looks like when you wake up in the morning they know the embarrassing stories they're loyal family is loyal and they'll fight for you i'll never forget when brooklyn was little in like second or third grade she had this friend who was talking badly about her at school and she was so upset at home and had told us about it and we started helping her work through that issue and eventually we had that friend over for a play date and Brooklyn left the room where they were playing and went to get something to drink, I think, and all of a sudden I heard the door slam. And I was like, what's happening? And I raced back to the bedroom and opened the door, and Avery, at three years old, was standing there with her hands on her hip and her finger in this girl's face saying, don't be mean to my sister. And I was like, it's okay, Avery, but family is loyal. Family is far from perfect, though. But it's where you belong. Romans 12, 4 through 6 says, In this way, we're like various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Now listen to this. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of the body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be who we're made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Listen, that scripture is just a reminder. We are meant to be a part of something. We're not good on our own. We were made to be a part of the bigger picture. I love that Paul, he's one of the main writers of the New Testament. And when he wrote the New Testament, he wrote a letter to the Ephesian church. And in this letter, he praised this prayer, and, and theologians have likened it to the same prayer that Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple to God. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend, listen, this is not on your own, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you, but this you is not talking to a singular you, this you in the Greek is talking to a plural you, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and ever, amen. This was a dedication prayer by Paul, establishing the Christian church. And I love that he started it in verse 14 with, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Because Paul is linking us to family here. He's never talking to an isolated human. He's always talking to a united church. Paul's assumption is that you are planted in the church. So why the church? We talked about this in the beginning. Jesus came to seek and save the lost and establish the church. The church is God's vehicle for reaching the lost as well as developing faith-filled believers. See, there's a man in the Bible, the only man in the Bible, that was ever called a man after God's own heart. And his name was David, a man after God's own heart. And David wanted to build a temple for God, a church, right? He wanted to build it, and he wasn't going to be able to build it in his lifetime. God told him that his son Solomon would build it. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5, David said this, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. I love that he said the temple of God, the church, should be magnificent. It should be world-renowned. Why? so that the church can be known? No, because God is magnificent. God's name should be world renowned. And you see this man in the Bible who was known as a man after God's own heart, he had a heart for the house of God. That should teach us something. And I love that when Solomon, he actually did complete building the temple, and he was talking to God and praying, God spoke to him in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3, and said this, I've heard your prayers and your supplication which you have made, and I have hallowed this house. I've made it holy, which you have built, and I've put my name and my presence there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. You see, great things happen in the church. Great things happen in the church. It's the place where God's eyes and his heart will always be. You see, all around this this community, all around this region, there's a lot of great churches, many of them having services right now, all different expressions. They're all just a little bit different. But the church is the place where God's eyes and his heart will always be. And when we're trying to figure out how do we plant into a church, it's just important to know this is the family you get to choose. (laughs) It's an awesome thing, right? This is a family you get to choose. And every family has its own vision. Every family has its own mission. My family has a mission statement. But you were made to belong to the church. So some of you are here today, and you're looking for a church home. And you're going, I don't know where I belong. Well, I like to think the search is over. Welcome home. But here's the thing. You want to ask the questions. You want to find out the vision, find out the mission. In fact, we're giving you an opportunity to do that today if you haven't done that yet. Right after second service, we have a welcome to church party, and we'll tell you everything you need to know and get to know you a little bit better. We'd love to have you there with us. But I think the Movement Church is an incredible church. I'm a little biased, I know. We're not a perfect church by any means. Do you know why? Because you're here. real but this is the church it's the living breathing expression of my God it's the object of his affection and his attention and Paul knew this so when he prayed this prayer for the church he said for this reason I bow my knee before the father I'm I'm coming before him from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to his riches and his glory listen Paul's reminding the church that God has plans for us This is one of the reasons we come to church. This is one of the reasons we gather because sometimes we need to be reminded. God has plans for you, and his plans are always based on his resources, not our own. As I was praying over this message, I just felt so strongly there's some people in the room who have these big desires for ministry maybe, and some big desires for being used by God, and you've been trying to do a lot on your own and trying to figure it out on your own, and I just want to remind you that God's plans always have to do with his resources and not our own. And so there's something that God will unlock in you as you're faithful with what's in your hands. I just want to encourage somebody with that this morning says that according to his riches and glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. See, Paul was praying for strength for the church in our inner man. One of the reasons we gather is to be reminded of the faith generator, of the hope generator, of the determination generator. You see, we tend to give up on the inside before we give up on the outside. And so we gather with people who are going to remind us who we're called to be. We gather and we sing songs of worship that remind us of the faithfulness of God. We gather and we hear a message that's taught to remind us how to live our life. In verse 17, he said, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that dwell in your hearts. That's that reminder to let Jesus take up permanent residency in my life. That's my reminder that I need to allow him to sit in the driver's seat, to be in charge of the direction of my life. That's that reminder. To be rooted and grounded in love is not just love for God. Listen, in this chapter, he's talking about love for one another. When you look up the word rooted in the Greek there, it says it's like a living tree which lays a hold of the soil and twists itself around the rocks and cannot be upturned. To be rooted means you can't be upturned. You know, there's this place on my bucket list that I would love to visit. And I haven't been there yet, even though I live in this beautiful state but it's the redwood forest. Has anyone ever been there? I can't wait to go. But from what I understand about the Sequoia redwood trees in California, is that they're some of the biggest trees in the entire world. And there's one tree that's there that's called General Sherman. Maybe you're familiar with it. And this is known as the largest known living single stem tree in the world. Wow. And the thing about this tree is that it's 275 feet tall, 25 feet in diameter, and it's approximately 2,500 years old. The thing about it is the roots only go down 6 to 12 feet. And these redwood trees, they, they withstand strong winds and earthquakes and fires and storms and prolonged flooding. They can stand. So how can something that's over 500 tons reaching over 350 feet in height and lives for many centuries, remains standing with roots that only go down about 10 feet. Do you know that the redwood trees, the roots of those trees are intertwined with all of the other redwood trees in the forest? They are literally holding one another up. In the winds, in the storms, in all of natural disasters that are going to come and going to hit, those redwood trees are standing because their roots don't just go deep, they go out. And that's what church is meant to be. Church is a place, not just where you attend, but where you belong. Where you're connected to a family and you realize that it's not just about you. It's about what God's doing in you and through you. And our roots begin to go out and they grab a hold of the people that are in our world. And when the storms of life come and things get crazy because they will, You're connected to a source that is dug into who Jesus is and reached out and connected to his church. Jesus loves the church. It's his vehicle for reaching the lost, for developing faith-filled believers. Jesus loves the church. And do you know that he created it as this fertile soil for your life to flourish? Psalm 92 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I don't know why it makes me emotional, but I just think there's nothing I could love more than building the church. Because if we could grasp that God has a plan for each and every one of us, for our life to flourish, and if we could identify that just as this scripture says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our god there is a fertile soil that god has intended for your life to flourish he created you for it and it's attached to his church it's attached to his church the church is the fertile soil in which your life will stay fresh and green i love how the the chapter continues it says they will still bear fruit in their old age They'll stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. You see, when I plant my life in the church, I'm promised that my life will flourish. And even in my old age, I'll still bear fruit. I'll still be producing something worthwhile. How many of you would actually like for your life to count for something? Anybody? Yes? Well, just like Orange Theory has helped refine my physical fitness the church was created to be a fertile soil in which your life can flourish the church will help you build your beliefs the church will give you a place to belong it will help you become all that god wants you to be it teaches us how to behave and your life will get bigger but you got to be planted in the church Somebody handed my daughter flowers this morning for her birthday. It's her 14th birthday. (laughs) And she held those flowers, and I thought, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. But those flowers are only going to last for about a week and maybe two. You know why? Because they've been cut off from their source. And so many times as Christians, we think that we can just live this life where we dip into the fertile soil and into the water that God has for us. And then we just live life as we want to. Then when we start to get dry and wilted and we need a little God fix, we come back to the church a little bit. And I'm just here to tell you, you can't live life that way. You actually have to be connected. You actually have to be a part of the church and let your roots go deep. Let them spread out and get connected to other believers because this is where our lives begin to flourish. And I'm telling you, this is what it looks like to go all in. This is what it looks like to go all in. I love Paul's prayer for the church. Just praying that they would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we as the church might be filled with all the fullness of God. And it reminds us, now to him, that's Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory, where? In the church, through Christ Jesus, for generations and generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love this. I'm not gonna go much further because I'm, I'm out of time. But I read a commentary and I was just so amazed by what it said about the church. The church is the living expression of God. It's the place, it's the place where he, his eyes and his heart will always be. I love the church, there's nothing as noble as the church, seeing that it's the temple of God. There's nothing so worthy of reverence seeing that God dwells in it. There's nothing so ancient Since the patriarchs and the prophets, they gave their life to build it. There's nothing so solid since Jesus Christ is the foundation of it. There's nothing so high. Since it reaches as high as to the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, there's nothing so perfect and well-proportioned since the Holy Spirit is its architect. There's nothing more beautiful There's nothing more beautiful because it's adorned with the building stones of every age, of every culture, of every race, of every talent, of every gift. The church is beautiful because you are the church. You are the church. I just want to challenge you today go all in. Jesus loves the church, so I love the church. So I want to challenge you let your roots go deep engage, get connected, and be a part of it. Because God's greatest plans for your life are intricately connected to what he's doing in the church. Amen? Can I pray for us this morning? And then we're going to just worship for about 90 more seconds. But I just want to pray for us that God would just remind us what we're a part of, but also that he would remind you of the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. I just feel that some of you need to know that you were not forgotten. That you don't go unnoticed, that God sees you. He actually made sure you were here today for this message, if only just to engage for a moment in a time of worship where you just are reminded that God cares and that He sees you and He loves you and He knows everything you're walking through, but you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to go through it alone. Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now and I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray for every man, woman, teenager, young person in the room today. And God, I just pray that you would just remind us, God, of the purpose and the plan that you have for us. God, I pray that today in this room that we would be just reminded of the purpose of your church. God, I pray that we'd be challenged, not just to attend, but God, to get connected and belong, to recognize, Lord Jesus, that the fertile soil that you've created for our lives to flourish is right here, right now, in the church. God, I pray that you would challenge us to love the church like you love the church and to be connected to one another so that we can accomplish the great things that you've created us to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. You see, there's something so beautiful about who Jesus is. And I really believe that there's something he wants to do in your life today. And maybe you're here and God's just personally just challenging you. Maybe you're here today and God's reminding you of of who he is and the purpose that he has for your life. But I just imagine there's probably some people who walked through the doors today who have been struggling with your faith. And I think today God just wants to remind you that he sees you and he loves you. And I just wanna encourage you that allowing Jesus to be in the driver's seat of your life, it's not a feeling. It's not just I I feel good today, so I'm allowing Jesus to, to take control. No, it's actually a decision that you make. It's a moment. And in a moment, You can make a decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to let you be in charge. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of asserting my own belief system. Today, I'm going to relinquish control, and I'm going to choose to let you be in charge. But it's a decision that you make. And I want to pray a prayer before we leave here today with some of you who maybe have never made that decision. And today's your day to stop trying to go this life alone and to let God be in the driver's seat of your life. And some of you are here and and you've just been running from God. To be honest, you prayed that prayer a long time ago, but, but you've been hurt. Maybe you've been frustrated. Maybe there's some things that have happened in your life that have been out of your control and they've made you go the opposite direction. And today's the day to come back. So I just want to challenge you, as I pray this prayer in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray with me You don't have to get out of your seat, you don't even have to pray out loud. But in the quietness and stillness of your own heart, just between you and Jesus, if that's you and you need to make that decision today, would you just pray this prayer with me? I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray a prayer, and if today needs to be your day of decision, would you just pray this with me, quietly in your own heart and in your own seat? Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've tried to do it all on my own. And I ask for you to forgive me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. And today, I make a decision to surrender my life to you. And all around the room, if that's you, just let these words be the cry of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.